You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 244 of the Black Eagles podcast. And that's right, a lot of episodes with yours truly, the host with the most, Sinan Schwartz. Uh, live from New York City, as always, where the weather, even though we're now well into September, almost a week in. Still hot, still humid. Things are staying hot, just like Besiktas. Even though you'd expect them to cool off and let you know, level off, if you will, you know, kind of, kind of relax, come down to earth. They keep building on top of it, right? They last week, huge victory against Sivas, three to one, a back-to-back, right after beating Fatih Karagumruk the week before. So, of course, as such, you hope they'd be building on it, even though we'd be going to Ankara to face Ankara Guju, a side with a very... What's the word I'm looking for? Vociferous fan base, if you will. Loud. Um, but as such, and if they hate us, especially as Besiktas, so you know this was going to be hard to get a result. So this was going to be a huge challenge. Our, maybe our first of the season as such. Even though they're a newly promoted side and all that, still, they have a new coach. They're going to get that new coach bump. They've got a crazy crowd filling out the stadium. So let's get started. Operation is in effect as of right now. That's right. As such, we got to... First of all, let me say... There's the huge event, which happened post-match, and I'll get into it. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, you know, there was some fan violence. Uh, at, because of that, Khan had to weigh in. So I'm going to try to do a very quick kind of, you know, shot-by-shot shot analysis of the highlights. Not even analysis. I'm going to run through, you know, the lineup, the highlights like that, and try to hand it off to Khan as quickly as I can. He digs in a little further. He'll go into sort of analysis of the match beyond just... The highlights that I'll I'll list basically chronologically, right? And uh, yeah, and then I'll, I'll weigh in at the end, of course, after his little rant. But so yeah, stay tuned, of course, for Khan, uh, Khan hashtag Khan's corner. Uh, and yeah, let's let's get going. Let's dig in. Now, first of all, before we even start, we've got to talk about news going into the match. UEFA came in with some strange news. Besiktas being hit by kind of break-even restrictions again. Kind of. It's, they're very murky. It's hard to quite understand exactly what restrictions were under, if any. You hope for the best. You know, it doesn't seem like they're actually terrible restrictions. But you don't really know. And it's a little scary, frankly, uh, just knowing where we've been in the past. 
as such, um, it, it, what it sounds like is we're just getting kind of under perpetual audit. They're going to be keeping track of us, making sure we're not doing anything shady. Uh, it really came out of left field, though. There, I, uh, as far as I've been aware, we've we've cut wages quite a bit. You know, of late in these last couple seasons, you know, we haven't been crazy with the with the transfers. Obviously, this summer we spent a little more than usual, but we made a couple sales, right? Um, season's not over. There's still another window for things to sort of correct. You'd imagine we might sell Erson relatively soon, maybe in the winter, for example. Uh, but so anyway, however, however it is that things need to be balanced out, I think they can. Hopefully it's not really dire news. Doesn't sound like it is. Sounds like they kind of came to some agreement. Now, other than that, there is other news. And of course, folks want to know about the, the transfer window because it's still not closed yet. Doesn't close until September 8th, apparently, which that caught me off guard. I'm not going to lie. The latest was um, news out of uh, England, as far as that winger goes that we're looking for, for depth behind Gazal, you'd imagine, or, or potentially to, to, to even challenge Nkudu on the, on the opposite side. Uh, there, the, the news was that we were looking at Nathan Redmond, 28-year-old Brit, currently featuring for Southampton in the Premier League. Um, I haven't heard much since then, so I don't know how true it is. And in fact, other news has come in since, which is that we're probably going to be getting Typhoid Bingle after all, uh, in exchange for having Montero and on a, on a one-year loan. So we're going to give Montero to Alania, and he will play there regularly, you'd imagine. And we will take Bingle for, for depth on our wing and the sort of variable option to play another turret there if we need to. And then I guess we'll see where the chips fall, you know, maybe next year. We extend it another year or we decide, you know, Typhoon was good enough. We're going to go for it, right? So, I don't know. We'll see how all of that goes. I don't think anything has been decided yet. Uh, but I do think that it's more likely that we're going to get Typhoon Bingle than this Nathan Redmond fellow, just because he's a Turkin. It makes more sense at this stage. There's much less of an asking price, right? We're not gonna like do another loan to buy thing. I think you'd imagine just given how many we already have at this point. So where does that leave us? Uh, it leaves us without a central defender. And the latest was that Nejip had played well enough that maybe it was less of a need than we thought prior. Do I agree with that prognosis? Not at all. I think we all know the risk of, of, of thinking that, that he's going to be the solution there. And in fact, in this match, he would have a couple mistakes. He's had a couple throughout the season, of course, but for the most part, he has actually been very solid. So it, it's unfair to pick on him, although, I mean, let's just dig into this match, because that's it for the news anyway. Um, some mostly bad, honestly. <laughs> Uh, it's bad news, but let's let's talk about the match itself because I'm it's hard to avoid spoilers at this point really huh? <clears throat> so before I even dig in to the lineups and the match itself first of all right out of the gates you, you hear it. The, the fans in Ankara are vociferous I'll say that again 
There's your vocab word of the day, I suppose. Very loud, very, uh, you know, at first it's like, oh, it's so great to have a side like Ankara Guju back in the Super League with, like, real fans. You know, they can fill out their stadium like this. Then quickly, you realize it's all this, like, it's very, it's very hostile. Uh, you know, you hope that they can fill out the stadium for other sides, but you really get a sense that a lot of this is, like, negative energy <laughs> coming from them. Uh, and from like constantly throwing things at players through, throughout the match, even before any action had occurred, like without, without us even scoring goals. Uh, you remember that there's this like conjured rivalry in their imaginations with us. And for folks who don't know, um, first of all, it was Bursa, Bursa Spore, who, who f sort of created a rivalry out of nothing, right? Like we didn't even know they certainly, I don't, I don't think many of us Besiktas fans feel like they're a club that merits a quote-unquote rivalry with us. But they, you know, imagined that we'd like intentionally gotten them relegated or something stupid um, years ago and held on to that. Held on to that anger for a long time. And because Ankara Guju has some weird like alliance with Bursa, they're pretending like somehow that we also are rivals of theirs and it's stupid and childish especially for it to like manifest itself in violence and throwing things and, and that kind of hostility it's so weird you know and it really reminds me of that famous scene from um, the Infinity Wars or Avengers movie where like after Thanos kills Vision and then like half of existence um, later on like Wanda, aka the Scarlet Witch, comes back and is like, "You, how, I'm gonna, how, how did, you, how dare you? Like, I, you ruined my life." And he's, he's like, "I don't even know who you are." That's how I feel like that. You know, I don't even know who Ankara Guju is. Who do they think they are, claiming to be rivals of ours? Um, yeah. So cue the 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 gif on that one. But yeah, that is farcical in and of itself. And so as much as I'd love for there to be fans like Ankara Gujus in the Super League, I don't know if I can honestly say that I'm glad to see them back, Every all things considered. But uh, we'll see if they'll stick around even. That said, let's finally dive in. So first of all, the lineups. For Besiktas, the one real change that would shock many. That's right, ring the alarms, folks would be in the goal where Emre Bilgin would start. Let that go. Start, that's right, over Ersin, which would be shocking. And I think a lot of people were angered by it. Like you don't rotate your keeper, except it's like if it's a cup game or something. I disagree, I think the consensus for most of us is that Emre Bilgin is good enough to be playing. And as such, he, he needs to be getting this valuable experience. Granted, like in Ankara Guju with, or in Ankara with fans like these, Maybe that's not necessarily the ideal scenario, but in Valerian Ismail's defense, maybe he's not, he wasn't quite aware of the extent to which these guys were that angry at like the world around them. But besides that, no real surprises, I don't think. Uh, Roman Seiss and Nejip Uso on the back line with Valentin Rosier and Arthur Masuaku on their flanks, right and left, respectively. Uh, in the midfield, Jetson Fernandes and Sally Uchan with Dele Ali starting up front ahead of them. 
Nkudu and Muleka on the wings. Nkudu on the left, Muleka on the right. And of course, Vout Veghorst up front. No surprises except, of course, for the, the big goal situation in the, in the, in the, between the sticks there. Um, for Ankara Guju, uh, let's do it, why not? I, I've sort of been rushing this up late, let's not. Their keeper, Bahadir Han Gungordu, uh, 26-year-old Turk. Their, their back line was Atakan Jankaya, 24-year-old Turk, next to Nihad Muyakic, 24-year-old Bosnian. Uh, Marlon, 25-year-old Brazilian, is their left back. And Oz Ceylan, 31-year-old Turk, their right back. Pedrinho, the 29-year-old Portuguese central midfielder, played next to 30-year-old Turk, Turkish maestro, if you will, Togla Shigerci, both of whom played behind Gaias Zahi, 27-year-old Norwegian, number 10. Uh, on their wings, 25-year-old Georgian Georgi Beridze, opposite 27-year-old American gringo, United States winger Gaboli Ariibi, which I didn't know, I, I had never heard of him before. Uh, and of course, up top, 31-year-old Italian Federico Maceda, a name many will recognize, a blast from the past, if you will. Um, but so yeah, interesting lineup for them. Uh, and uh, in in theory, you don't imagine them struggling to the extent that they'd get rele relegated with as much talent as they have, although you never know if, it, if it'll come together and all that. Now quickly, let's go over their results for the sake of, of knowing who we're handling. Um, prior to our match, they had won no matches, drawn against Konya, and lost twice against Gaziantep and Fatih Karaguru. So, um, quite awkward for them. They'd already have a, had a bye week, so they've only played four matches. But so, yeah, this would be their fourth match, and they had only drawn one, one point out of those first three. Obviously, that's not an ideal scenario for them. As far as the head-to-head -head goes, our last time meeting them was in 2021. 2020-2021, to be precise. We beat Ankara Guju in Ankara nil to one in December of 2020, and then drew them in Istanbul two to two in April of that year. So. Make of that what you will. This one in Ankara Guju, we'd hope to, to match, right? Now, historically, uh, there are 11 games on record between us, you know, on, on my app anyway. Uh, we have won, or sorry, they have won only once. Three draws and seven wins for Besiktas. So, very fav favorable record for the visitors, us. Uh, so, yeah, let's just dig right into the match itself and I'll try to speed things up a little because I want to get to Khan's thing his analysis of the match and not really dwell on the, the highlights here too much um, right out of the gates 11th minute Unkudu would find the um, sort of the head of Maleka, Muleka um, but maybe not I think he jumped up and maybe tried to volley it I honestly wasn't sure if it didn't actually come off of the defender but anyway apparently um, from when Muleka kicks it, Veghorst is slightly offside. Anyway, he finds the head of Veghorst, he heads it in. So for a very brief moment, we think we've scored. After, uh, you know, some positive play from, from Besiktas for the most part, 
even though the crowd has made it clear that they're going to be there and trying to intimidate us. Um, 25th minute, Tolga Chigerci, who I call the maestro for good reason, um, sends a it's just perfect long ball into the path of Georgi Beridze, who heads it with relative ease into the back of the net. Um, in between Tolga and Beridze was Nejip, who sort of wanders around without any sense of direction, which was quite confusing. Uh, and it goes right past Emre Bilgin, who some have argued should have done better on it. I don't think, you know, that, that's a tough one. Especially because it's a chance created out of relatively nowhere, considering that they haven't done much of note until this moment. Um, so, but so sure enough, they have that lead, and we've seen this a million times before, right? But what's great is our response, and Besiktas responds immediately, honestly. In the 29th minute, just four minutes later, George Kavan and Kudu, with you know the pace that he always tends to have, finds Veghorst with a with a low cross. It's kind of mid 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 height, if in fact uh, Veghorst tries to like backheel the ball, you know, kind of get a little slick on it. I'm not sure if he makes contact or if he does and it bounces off a defender or whatever it is, but like it kind of caroms in towards the keeper. The keeper kind of gets a fist and punches it up and it loops up right into the path of Jackson Muleko who then heads it casually into the back of the net. One to one, Jackson Muleka, his fourth goal of the season and it's, it's a draw. It's at this point one to one and it would not take very long. Only five minutes later on a free kick from deep on the right side, Masuaku sends it in onto the head of Veghorst who puts it perfectly into the path of Dele Ali and Dele Ali just casually he has to run a little bit kind of dive onto it or you know kind of um, slide into it if you will but he does so with with perfection Veghorst has his fourth assist of the season the assist king over here and Dele Ali opens up his account he'd love to see it if this was in Gordon Park, the crowd would be going insane. A fantastic comeback, a great effort. Um, I mean, Besiktas were the better side. This was deserved. Uh, but still, nonetheless, at the half, some subs made for Ankara Guju. Firat Jan Uzun comes on for Oz Jelan, and Lamine Diak comes on for Gayas Zahid, and they're rewarded. 46th minute, Tolga Chigachi again on a lace, a perfect pass into the path of. Georgi Beridze, who this time coolly slaps it home. Uh, Rosier lets his man go along that, you know, the right side of our defense, uh, allowing Beridze to get onto that one with relative ease and have almost a clear path to go. Again, Emre Bilgin a little slow to react, but I think to his defense, he's shook. Um, this stadium was a little much for him to be making his season debut. Um, a slight over, a slight oversight by our manager Valerian Ismail, but I don't really resent it. Like I said earlier, you know, I think we all agree that Emre Bilgin should be good enough for matches like these. Uh, it's easy to understand how Ismail might not understand what he was coming up against in Ankara. 
And, uh, you know, it's not a bad instinct to play a younger guy, you know. I mean, we all know that Ersin Destanado is likely on his way out sooner rather than later. So, um, by all means, you know, if Amade has it, has it, which he should, we, we got to play him occasionally. Uh, I might even say, let's play him in the next match too, since, you know, since he came out like that in this one. Let him get his feet back underneath him, his nerves. Um, I know that that would be controversial. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I have theories, right? Maybe Ersin didn't extend his contract, right? Uh-oh. There could be something terrible at work here, but anyway. Let's not go too far into speculation. Anyway, and so there it is at the half. They've made their subs. They've come back now and leveled it right after the half. But there's no question that Besiktas is now very much aiming to equalize. 61st minute, Federico Macheda gets himself a yellow card <clears throat> for a clumsy tackle. 66th minute, Joseph de Souza enters the game for the first time this season. Coming in for Dele Ali, who was injured on this play, it was Muleka, who sends in a cross. Um, oh no, sorry. I said, yeah, no, he passes it nicely. He kind of cuts it in from the wings, finds Dele Ali in the middle of the pitch. Dele Ali's kind of ready to queue up a shot. A little slow and lazy with the reaction, the first touch. Defender cuts it out from behind, but Sally Uchan, with great anticipation and awareness, runs into the path of the tackle, kind of intercepts, runs into the box with it, finds Veghorst along the right side. His first touch isn't great, but so he cuts it out wide, and tries to center it in. His cross is not great. He's looking for Dele Ali, who streaks him from the left side. A little bit lower, you know, a little less power on it. And that has Dele Ali's head, and Dele Ali has the second goal. Uh, unfortunately, however, he, he falls awkwardly into their goal, injuring himself. He looks in quite a bit of pain, so that would be a real concern. The news is in. It's not as bad as, as you might have feared. Only two weeks out. In fact, they're saying only 10 days, so he might be back for the match after next. Of course, our next match will be against Bashakshi here, so it'll be a shame not to have him, but. He should potentially be able to return for Istanbul score. We shall see. So, um, meanwhile, obviously, Joseph is back. Uh, hopefully, we'll, we'll get into that later. But, um, you know, we have solutions now if Dead Ali is out. Obviously, Sally Uchan and Jetson still playing extremely well for us, too. So, you know, we can afford to have him missing for a match, maybe two. That's fine. Gezal should be back soon as well. He's been shown in training this last week. Being just about ready, I think we played it safe by not playing him. Let's hope that's the case. Anyway, um, still we're pressing for the for the for the, the the winning goal at this point. They've equalized. I think I got that wrong not long ago. Um, anyway, 68th minute, Eren Derdiok, a name many will recall, comes in for Federico Macheda and just six minutes later. I'm not saying it's because of that, but I mean, in fact, it's only two minutes later. <clears throat> Roman Seiss heads this ball into the hand of Eden Derdiok, uh, whose hand is in quite an unnatural position, thus being awarded the handball in the box. It's a penalty. Lots of, you know, VAR and review and all this. He has to go look at it, uh, but it's, it is finally awarded, and Kudu steps up to take it. Um, Khan has a nice little commentary on how that played out. <clears throat> I'll let him do it. Uh, but yeah, Nkudu scores. Two to three on the road. We've taken the lead in the 74th minute. 
Uh, 74th minute right after the goal, Jesse comes on for Gboli Ariyibi, the American. In the 82nd minute, yellow card for Marlon, um, who's really playing very aggressively, I must say. Almost, almost hitless material, Marlon. But because you were penalized and it hurt your team, I'm not gonna do it this time, so that's a warning. 82nd minute, um, Umut Merash comes in for Jetson Fernandes. Jank Tosun comes on for Georges Kevin and Kudu. I believe we're doing a three, you know, whatever this is, three, four, one, two, or whatever. You know, at this point, we're, we're really staying back for the most part. Uh, and Jank and Veghorst are kind of up top roaming. I think Veghorst just had enough energy and was pressing and playing hard enough that there was no need to take him out. I actually understood these subs, as weird as they were. Um, but yeah, 93rd minute, or 94th, Marlon gets his second yellow. Uh, dirty tackle and push, which he then complains about by breaking the corner flag. So yeah, easy second yellow, he's gone. Stupid, stupid man. That's why he's not getting on the hit list because he actually ends up helping us. Eases the pressure, although there are eight minutes of extra time, which is just extraordinary. Again, I'm not going to steal Khan's thunder. He, he goes into that a little bit as well. Um, but so yeah, in the sixth minute of extra time, Bahadir Han Gungurdu, their keeper, gets a yellow card because he's fighting with Valentin Lozier, who also gets a yellow card. Um, Joseph pulls Valentin Lozier away well to keep him from you know getting axed as well. And we hold on for a victory, two to three on the road in what is actually an absolutely gigantic victory for Besiktas. Um, playing in Ankara where the fans are very hateful and spiteful towards Besiktas for some weird conjured up reason. Uh, however weird and conjured up it might be, it is authentic. They hate. And this would be shown right after the final whistle when some jerk off and I'm not going to bleep anything in this episode because I think all of us are feeling a lot of hate for what, what for at least an individual, if not some part of a fan base that were pretty, pretty asinine throughout the match. I just want to say, as a, as a personal thing, I hate the Turkish fans throwing stuff onto the pitch, throwing stuff at players. It's dangerous no matter what it is you're throwing and how light you might think it is. It's stupid, it's childish, it's petty. It's just, it's embarrassing to me, honestly. Like, for when I'm, I have friends over and we're watching Turkish football, I am literally embarrassed every time that happens. It's barbaric behavior. No offense to barbarians, honestly. Uh, but yeah, so this guy comes out, flying kick into the back of Sally, except Jenk just happens to step in his path, throwing him off. So I don't think he gets to really injure anyone too badly before Joseph sees him and kind of tosses him down on the ground and they hold him down before security comes and grabs him. In the end, his penalty is that he's like not allowed to leave the country or something. Hopefully it's because he's going to be in court and arrested and see some sort of punishment here that's be that goes beyond that. But uh, it seems like the people of Ankara are making him some sort of a hero, as you'd expect, because people are stupid. 2022 is just a year of stupidity, uh, if not this whole decade, right? So anyway, it is what it is. Just absurdity. Supposedly, Joseph gets a red card for, for sort of tackling the guy. I don't think it's going to be awarded in the end because he uh, was
was just protecting everyone at that point. And didn't even do anything too physical or violent, as I think he probably should have, or could have anyway. I don't know, maybe should have is extreme, but... Uh, at the end of the day, <clears throat> Ankara Guju had 54% of the ball to our 46, which you expect to some extent they're behind for much of this match. Uh, as far as XG goes, however, we dominated at 2.64 to their 0.52. We had 12 shots to their 7, 6 on target to their 2. So in fact, it was a fairly dominant game. Um, statistically, beyond that, uh, they completed more passes, 289 to our 224, at a 78% rate to our 74%. So not stellar from them, but actually not great from us either. Although again, we're behind, we're, especially for much of the second half, playing this kind of, you know, let's kill, kill it out style of football with a bunch of guys back and sort of a weird disjointed lineup. Um, we committed 19 fouls to their 13, which is absurd. It speaks to the poor refereeing, especially in the first half of this match, where they were allowed to disrupt the game with ill intent for much of the game. Um, just, you know, whatever. I, I don't really want to talk about refereeing. We do it every week, and it's just, at, at a certain point, what's the point, right? Um, yeah, they had four offsides to our three. So, you know, an active game on either side. They had two corners to our one. Let's talk about some players, right? The two highest rated players, interestingly, are Tolga Chigerji and Georgi Bitadze, or Beridze, rather, um, which doesn't shock me, right? They both had multiple stat padding statistics. Uh, Tolga had two assists, Georgi Beridze had two goals, so that shouldn't shock anyone. After them, the next, the third highest rated player is Georges Kevin and Kudu, who also had a goal uh, on a penalty granted, but also, you know, he played really well. He's become a real fulcrum for us at this point. And he's strung together a really solid season all around. Uh, worth noting that Georges Cavant and Kudu already has quite a few goals this season. Um, I believe he has three. Yeah, three goals already. So, you know, five matches into the season. That's a hell of a record for a winger. Obviously, you don't expect him to maintain that, but no, still, nonetheless, fantastic start to the season for him, no doubt. Um, but so, he's the highest rated player for Besiktas. Then, of course, Jackson Muleka, who also had a goal, another goal, his fourth of the season. Then Dele Ali, who also had a goal. Then Wout Weghorst, who had an assist, but no goal this time. Then Atakan Jankaya. Uh, is the only other player rated above a 7. Valentin Rosier just beneath the 6.99, and then Masuaku with a 6.91. Um, Sally Uchan Jetson just falling underneath as well. But so, only 7 players rated above a 7 in this match, which so is just indicative of how sloppy it all was. Um, you know, of course, Besiktas with 4 of the 7, as you might expect. Maybe you, you'd expect even more. I don't know how Atakan Jankaya fits in there. Uh, as far as man of the match, I'll personally, whew, this is a tough one. Um, you might give it to Vout Veghorst just for uh, his valuable contributions, that you know, lovely assist um, on the on the Dele Alley goal. Uh, you could give it to any of the goal scorers. Let's see, who's the highest rated best player? It's actually Valentin Luzia, who doesn't have a you know easy stat to give the, to pad their numbers with. 
Um, but no, yeah, I'll give it to one of the guys who got us that. I'll give it to that big horse. I think his contribution was fantastic. His effort, his energy, all around the pitch. Um, the assist was fantastic, obviously. But even beyond that, you know, he mixed it up with the crowd a little bit. But with some respect, more along the lines of like, okay, keep throwing stuff. You know, if anything, you're just pissing me off, right? I think he really wanted to score and give it to them, which is perhaps why he was sad not to be able to take a penalty that Nkudu puts away. But he, he was thrilled that we scored and had the lead, so it didn't really last as far as any negativity goes. But so that's it. That's all I'm going to talk about. I'll do the standings after we do our little bit of analysis with none other than Khan Bayazit, a.k.a. at Razarian on Twitter. R-A-Z-Z-E-R-I-A-N. Without further ado, Senor Bayazit. Another week and another three points, um, and my first ever Twitter ban. <laughs> I uh, just served a 12-hour Twitter suspension because I was so angry after the game. Um, and I said on Twitter that Joseph should have just put his knee in the guy's back that attacked uh, our players and choked him out, you know. To render him unconscious. Apparently, that qualifies as uh, as uh, promoting violence based on uh, what was it? Age, race, um, uh, religion. Uh, yeah, you know, basically all that kind of stuff. I appealed it because uh, at first it was like, uh, yeah, you're getting banned 12 hours. I'm like, ah, yeah, who gives a shit? So I'll just go to bed. Uh, and then and then it was like, oh no, it's uh, been increased to seven days. I'm like, what the f***? Like, <laughs> so I appealed it, and then the appeal got rejected. But then I woke up this morning, and uh, apparently it got removed. So, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I was really, really pissed. I think like a lot of Bishkek fans. I think like a lot of football fans. Um... I think any football fan, whether you're a Fenerbahce fan, Galatasaray fan, Trabzonspor fan, you know, if you're not an absolute tick idiot and you can't uh, look past your club colors, um, you will think that that was absolutely unacceptable. Um, the fact that Joseph got a red card is absolutely ridiculous and unacceptable. Um, but it will be overturned almost certainly. Um, there's just no, there's no, you know, the entire incident is on camera and there isn't any point where you can say that Joseph does anything but defend himself and his teammates. Um, all he does is grab the guy by the scruff of his neck and pushes him away. He doesn't punch him, he doesn't kick him. Um, there's an example in 2011 with the goalkeeper from, I believe, FC Twente back in the day, Esteban. Um, did the same thing, he defended himself, but then he started wailing on the guy and kicking him afterwards when the guy was on the on the floor. And, that, and, and Esteban never got suspended. So, Joseph should never get suspended here either. 
even if he did punch him, which he didn't, because you can't, there's no f footage, video footage, there's, so, there's some uh, tinfoil hat guys out there trying to uh, make super slow-mos of, of, of Joseph grabbing the guy by the scruff of his neck and pushing him down and make trying to make it look like he punched him, but he didn't. It's a lot of bullshit, he didn't. Um, and even if he did, you know what? He is in this, he's 100% right to punch that piece of shit because you know what those Ankerikuju fans yesterday and look obviously there's 22,000 fans out there and there's probably 21,900 you know or 21,500 or something just proper football fans there that are just there to support their team but throughout the game you know there's everywhere in the stands there's a couple of marginal idiots that can't help themselves but throw bottles, throw knives, throw lighters, throw this, throw that. Look, this is this guy jumped the barrier and ran to our players and with the full intent to assault because he comes in flying with a freaking kung fu kick. You know, like you cannot, there's no arguing that he is not there to assault. He's going straight for Sali Uchan who's got his back turned and going with a kung fu kick he could have hit him at the bottom of his spine if Jang didn't step in and injured Sali for the rest of his life like that is this assault you know with 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 clear intent to to harm so he should go to jail um, this is not something where he should just get a, a fine or anything that guy should go to jail for for at least a year um, but yeah, whatever. Uh, but yeah, look, we can't say all of the Angkeriju fans are like this. There have been examples of this from other clubs, including our own. We shouldn't be trying to act holier than thou, because we also have had fans that ran onto the pitch uh, in the past. It's been a couple of years, but it's, it happens. Um, and there's always some idiots some crazy bastards that do this and then there's us who think about doing it because we're so pissed at a, at a certain given time but we don't because we're sane you know um but yeah look we can't we can't blame all all of the ankara guju fans uh you know we should be happy that there's clubs like ankara guju in turkey that do have a, a proper fan base that are in the super league so that there's actually uh you know look Valerie Ismail said be after the game as well. This was a great atmosphere until it turned grim, basically, right? So that's just the way it is. Like as long as you keep those bottles out of it, and you keep the the, the short storming the pitch, look, booing and hissing and even even swearing, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter. That's just part of the part of the deal. And I don't think our players mind. But it's when you start getting you know stuff thrown at your head, and more importantly, when it, when crazy motherfuckers storm the pitch, run towards you, and try to to to, to harm you. Um, and the worst thing is that look, this guy could have had a knife. This guy could have had anything. Wouldn't be the first time. Um, and there was no security there. Security just allowed him to jump. When he got to the players and the referees, there was no security anywhere near there to intervene. It was down to our players to do something. Joseph and I think Weho stepped in and they kept the guy away. 
until security arrived, what should they have done, right? Should they have just uh, let the gal guy go? Because he was going to either, either attack one of our players or he was going to attack the referees, right? So what should they have done? They, they stepped up and they acted like real men. And they, uh, yeah, they shouldn't be punished for that. Simple as that. So I was uh, pretty pissed after the game. Um, but look, I think this whole incident kind of takes away from what the game was. And we should talk about that. Uh, I, I think it's another example of uh, the game itself of that we still aren't really where we need to be um, our away from home performance really needs to improve I do think that in the first half uh, my you know a lot of my friends seem to think that we didn't really play particularly well I think you need to keep in mind that it's very difficult to, to play well uh, I, I definitely don't think we were bad in the first half because realistically we didn't give anything away until they scored an actual goal which was still the goal itself was an early cross uh, really good header from that little guy up top but uh, look it's the first time they attacked properly and it was their first proper chance and they immediately score and I think we we show a great reaction uh, and we immediately equalize just four minutes later and then we take the, the, the lead a couple of minutes after that and before that we had already giving warning signs uh, you know the, the goal from Wichos that got disallowed correctly you know correctly so but that's the intent was clear like Besiktas were the dominating team Besiktas were the ones going for for the goal and uh, I think it was very difficult to play good football in this game because the referee met the Kalkavan. Uh, you know, it was one of those games where the home side had a clear plan, um, try and disrupt the, the flow of the game as much as possible uh, by either making a fall or laying down every time they lost the ball. Um, and Mete Kalkavan very eagerly abided and blew his whistle every single time an Ankaraguju player lost the ball and laid down. So the game flow was unexistent almost. So it's very difficult to play well against a team like that that doesn't want to play. Um, that's of course, that is their rights, you know, that, that is what they have to do. That is one of the tools they have and they know, Omer Erdogan knows, Ankaragadu's players know, if we let Besiktas play football, we're inviting ourselves to get, you know, destroyed. They've seen Besiktas play these previous weeks, they know what Besiktas can do if you allow them to play football. Kaiserispor, in the first match day, did the same thing. They didn't allow us to play. And it worked out for them until the 96th minute. For Ankaragücü, <clears throat> it, um, it worked out relatively okay uh, in the first half. But I mean, you know, we go into the lead, into the halftime break with a lead. Very happy to see Wekos involved against uh, the fifth game this season. Uh, and it's his sixth goal contribution. He now has two goals and four assists. Um, yeah, he's been involved in at least one goal every game. Um, so he's been absolutely uh, amazing for us. Although I do think we kind of saw uh, Weghorst's dark side yesterday, um, where he can get very, very uh, mopey and petulant a little bit, you know, and he he'll, he'll dish out to uh, opposition players, but then when they do something to him, he'll. Uh, He'll be very um, yeah, crybaby-esque. 
Uh, that's something he did in the Netherlands as well, and that's something that a lot of people disliked about him. Of course, that's something that's, that, that opposition fans are going to dislike. Uh, we obviously aren't going to mind, but I, I definitely did see that, <clears throat> maybe for the, for the first time, really. I mean, I mean he, he probably had a little bit before, but still. Uh, then the second half, you know, uh, it's half time and you think, okay, we have to uh, make sure that we score a third goal and that we kill this game. Uh, and then you come out of the dressing room and you almost immediately concede and it's like, oh my god, what, 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 what was said at half time and are these guys listening? <clears throat> like, um, uh, Ismail uh, spoke about it last week as well, like, uh, you know, we, we, that the, the message was clear at halftime we need to score a fourth goal but then the team doesn't really proceed to respond to that uh, request so to speak you know and uh, last week yeah the first 10-15 minutes we definitely did look for a fourth goal but then it kind of all fell to the wayside mm. and here I, I I just had the impression that uh, the team's intent coming out of the dressing room was a little bit too lackluster a little bit too oh you know we managed to you know they took the lead but we turned it around really quick these guys aren't up to it uh we we can easily win this game and i think you know if you are too nonchalant about these types of games then you really um open yourself up to losing points so um not a good reaction at halftime uh, i think the first half was pretty good given the circumstances with the the, the constant uh uh you know delays in the match itself but uh, yeah the second half um, the second half definitely wasn't uh, as good but you know 2-2 then we react and we start pushing for the goal and we had some opportunities uh, the biggest one that I remember is the, the I think it was a cross from Wehorst and it just goes over well it goes over it goes over quite a bit but Dele Ali's head uh, and it just goes to show you again, you know, also the goal, but it just goes to show you Dele Ali, his instincts are so good. He knows where he has to be, he's gonna be there all, all the time, and look, this guy, like, it's a, it's a shame, the foreign limit really is going, is, is, is an issue this season, because Dele Ali is uh, really the type of player that can score easily, um, yeah, in, in a 38 game season, you know. 10-15 goals with his eyes closed almost just because of those instincts if he stays fit um, and that was just another example of it where he could have easily had a brace if that cross would have been a little bit better um, yeah but then Delali has to come off uh, straight away Joseph de Souza comes on makes his triumphant return since two months since he got injured uh, and I think that was kind of to stabilize the midfield a little bit because there were definitely was a little bit of an issue uh, and I think it also shows that especially in away games uh, now that Joseph is fit again I think we will will need him more um, but in home games you know Della Ali should always start and I think you know I think Della Ali should start anyway given what he can contribute the problem is that Getson should also start because he covers so much ground uh, and Sally also is very good <laughs> so it's like where do you fit all these pieces in and plus you need to play Sally for the foreign limit rule anyway um, so we do create a little bit of chances we create some pressure but uh, you know we don't score and it's in the 73rd minute that we I believe it's on a corner win a penalty after uh, VAR intervenes uh, and look yeah it's one of those penalties where I always personally feel that look you're heading the ball very close range 
it's not that the guy hasn't has has the chance to pull his arm away um, but you know obviously it's undisputable that it's a, it's a handball and it should be a penalty according to the rules and we have gotten these exact penalties uh, given against us last season um, so yeah of course it's a penalty but I can emphasize empathize with um, with uh, the team who gets the penalty called against because before uh, a rule change on the handball in 2018 I believe it was like these sorts of penalties weren't given uh, usually because of the, the the range between the shots and, and the arm although of course you know Eren's arm is up in the air it's not like it's like proper stretched out up in the air I don't know what he's doing like that's not a balancing thing I don't really know why he's up there it's kind of stupid of him uh, basically gives us a present uh, Rekhorst angry because he wants to take the penalty but Nkudu takes it instead uh, Nkudu scores and Rekhorst goes straight for him he's you know he's he was angry for you know 20 seconds then Nkudu scored and then you know Rekhorst shows that he's a team player and he's the first one to go and hug Nkudu and cheers and all that stuff. And anyway, we take the lead again, 2-3. But you do have the feeling that, look, we've conceded two goals already from these guys. Out of nowhere, really. Um, like, Because this is the the, the, the the game, right? Like, I think Emre Pilgin, who was take, uh, playing today, I don't think he had to make a single save. So it's one of those things where basically they had two chances and they scored um, so they really don't need much to score so you know okay fuck this is one of those games where it's 2-3 but yeah we can concede at any point so it's kind of shaky the last 15-20 uh, minutes um, also 8 minutes added on on top of that which I thought was a little bit excessive um, but in Turkey, the at a time is, is crazy. Uh, like you see, all, you know, I watch a lot of other leagues, and like in Turkey, it's like standard these days to give seven, eight minutes extra time with all the substitutions and all. And if there's a, if especially if there was like a VAR thing, then it's like seven, eight minutes always. But in England, it's not. Like in England, you still see four, five, six minutes. Um, you rarely see more than six. So I don't really understand and same thing in the Netherlands or in Belgium so I'm not sure why in Turkey they insist on giving that much. Um, but anyway, uh, there were a couple of chances for Ankaragücü on set pieces. Uh, Atakan, their central defender, uh, headed wide on a corner I believe. Uh, and then right at the end um, they took a free kick and uh, I think one of their players got a head to it again and headed it over like obviously look these were poor headers and Emre was never tested but at the same time you know all it takes is a guy to be able to head the ball in between the posts and potentially score and then you're stuck with another Alanya Spore match uh, result you know so that's the thing we really need to work on we really need to work on either being able to score uh, another goal to kill a game so we aren't in the situation where if we concede a stupid ball in the dying seconds that we drop two points or we need to be a lot better in retaining possession and because um, I think that's the biggest issue is that we aren't retaining the ball we are just 
in those in those last 10 minutes or so we're just kicking the ball up the field and it comes back constantly and the pressure keeps up we need to keep the ball in the team play it around a little bit and uh, yeah be more mature about it I think that's the the single most big thing that we have to work on as a team right now is the ability to retain possession uh, in the in the last minutes of a game when you have the lead and just be mature and not allow your opponent to be able to pump the ball into the box like that because yeah yesterday we didn't allow them to come close and cross it themselves but we did give them free kicks and okay that's in part due to the referee just you know blowing for everything i think especially the last one that uh, the last chance they got i don't think that was a free kick but you know that this referee has been doing this 90 minutes so you just need to try and win the ball cleanly and first and foremost maybe not give it away right um and yeah just retain possession and be more mature uh, that's the single most important thing we need to work on but you know five games into the league um and we've got four wins and a draw so we definitely made a decent start to the season it, sh it really should have been five wins uh the alanya Sport match is a shame that we dropped points there and we sh really should have 15 points right now um, but unfortunately it's only 13 but still you know we're top of the table uh, there's only one team that uh, <clears throat> that can match our points total and that's Bishakshi here because they have one match less played because they had a bye week uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago um, but we're playing them next week right so on next Monday we're playing Bishakshi here at home at Vodafone Park uh, that's a match we have to our first real big test and that's Darren very good form um, they have a European match this week though so hopefully a little bit of fatigue impacts them uh, adversely so that we can uh, just tear them apart on Monday and I really think that we should be able to do that to Bishakshir like look they're a really good team but they're also an old team and we are a very fit team so we should be able to put the tempo really high and hopefully we are able to um, dominate them um, but you know Emre Bellozolo, whether you hate him or you love him he's a good coach and he has Bishakshir playing some good football and uh, he has a lot of good players in Bishakshir as well so it's gonna be a very very interesting uh, match next week um, and yeah like I said the first big test so we'll see how the team performs there and how the coach performs and all that we have some tough games coming up uh, our next three home matches are Bashakshi here, Trabzonspor and Fenerbahce if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, we have some really difficult uh, home games coming up. So that's uh, an interesting stretch of games. Of course there's going to be the international break as well. Um, so we do have a little bit of extra time to rest. So Rashid Ghazal should be back and all that kind of stuff. But for Monday, I don't know if uh, Ghazal will be back already. But uh, definitely looking forward to it, and uh, hopefully we, uh, yeah, can, uh, can win that game so that we can stay top of the league. Yeah. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Once again, thank you so much, Khan Bayazid. You can follow the man at R A Z Z E R I A N on Twitter or Instagram, for that matter. <clears throat> uh, and it's always a pleasure to have him contribute to our little podcast over here. Um, now, quickly, let's talk about the standings, because final standings are in, and guess who's on top? 
Stop the count, folks. Besiktas. Four wins and one draw. <sighs> that Alanya match is still so freaking annoying. Imagine, imagine we had 15 points out of five games. <clears throat> the haters would be crying so hard. They should be anyway. We have a plus seven goal differential. We scored 14 goals. Second only to Fenerbahce, who has 15. And that was, of course, padded by, uh, you know, the Adana Demirspor match for starters. Like, that was, that was a weird one. They weren't allowed to score a bunch. Not to mention the six goals that they scored against Kasim Pasha. That's gonna, that's gonna be, that's gonna be corrected, if you will. And yeah, we're, we're, we're doing fine. We're doing great. Um, second place, Konya Spor. <clears throat> Konya beat Giresun on the road, nil to one, after beating Fener the week prior. So they're, they're really finding their form now. Of course, their, their one goal victories becoming a bit of a staple for them, but whatever. Gets the job done. They are in second again now. 11 points, three wins, and two draws. Also undefeated. The only other side that remains undefeated, except for Basakshi here, who has a game in hand. Their fifth match will be against us this coming week. We'll talk about when that is. Um, third place, Fenerbahce, with 10 points. And they're in a group of six teams that has 10 points. Fener leads the pack in terms of goal differential. They were victorious against Kaiseri 2-0. Questionable match in some ways. Some weird ref decisions, as you expect with that club. Um, next up in terms of goal differential, Basakshi here, who you know, is there having not allowed a single goal, <coughs> having only scored eight. <coughs> Excuse me. But also, they have a game in hand. Hopefully, uh, they don't rack anything up against us in this upcoming match. Knock on wood. Uh, after them would be Gaziantep, who have still 10 points, uh, uh, having won three, drawn one, and lost one. They lost their first match of the season this week against Galatasaray. Even though they were a man up, they were chicken, they were trying to hold out for a draw, and they got burnt for doing so, losing two to one at home. Or sorry, no, yeah, on the road rather, in Istanbul. Um, also with 10 points, next up is Adana Demirspor, who, after winning despite Montella fighting with um, Balotelli, Balotelli on his way out has left, now gone to Sion. Then they come back and have a poor outing against a very poor performing Hatay, drawing one to one, barely getting that draw, a late equalizer for them. Next up with 10 points, Galatasaray, who, as I said, just barely beat Gaziantep um, despite being a man down so credit to them for it still though not great stuff from them Abdul Kerim Bardakji I think what's his isn't that his name no um, yeah it is Bardakji yeah now he, he's struggled mightily another card and a goal that many people are blaming him for and so yeah things are not looking great for him uh, also with 10 points, of course, is Trabzonspor. Uh, same 3-1-1 one one record. They uh, just beat Umranie 0-1. Uh, struggled mightily with the, the newly promoted Umranie side, where Kartal Kaida Yilmaz, by the way, played in that one. A full match from him. Uh, I do believe. I, I think he played the full match. Yeah, he did. 
7.1 rating, not bad. Uh, but so yeah, that that's it as far as the the top eight goes, and that all those like six six of the eight have ten points uh, with us and Konya ahead of them, but not by much, right? Uh, within a match, within a game, right? Bashak here could beat us, and we'd be level on points, and they'd have a game in hand. Hopefully that does not happen again. Knock on wood. Uh, after that, there's a bunch of teams with six six points. Four teams, in fact. We're not going to go into that because it doesn't really matter. On the back end of the table, Ankaraguju has found the bottom of the table. Although they have a game in hand. I mentioned they've only played four matches. Hatay and Istanbul Spore also only have four matches played. Uh, and they're also in the relegation zone. Although Umraniye is right ahead of Ankaraguju. And they've played all five of their matches so far and only have one point. Hatay only one point. They got it this week, as I mentioned, uh, against Adana Demir. And then Istanbul Sport has three points in that last spot of relegation. Uh, level on points with Sivas, but down on goal differential, having only scored once. But so yeah, that's it for the relegation table. On the, on the, on the back end, Fatih Karagumruk has pulled themselves out. Andrea Pirlo figuring things out on the fly. He drew against Sivas this week, so... Not, not ideal, perhaps, but um, yeah, that's it. That's all I have to say for this week. Um, as always, stay tuned for next week because we have a huge match. I've, I've sort of discussed it on a number, number of occasions now. We'll be hosting Istanbul Başakşehir. here. Supposedly, the game is now on Monday. It was originally scheduled for Sunday. It's now on Monday, September 12th at noon here in New York City, local time, so now things have been bumped up almost three hours. Fine, right? Um, check your local listings as always. And these things, you know, they've just decided a number of fixtures, so definitely make sure that you know when this match is happening and that you can watch it. Uh, but as far as I know, it's going to be Monday, September 12th at noon. I am certainly thrilled for that one. It should be a fantastic match. Uh, yeah, and so we'll be back then, right? Again, thanks to Khan for, for stopping by and, and dropping some knowledge on us. Uh, follow him at Rosarian, R-A-Z-Z-E-R-I-N-I-A-N, sorry. Follow uh, the podcast at Eagles underscore podcast. Follow myself at Sir underscore rights underscore a lot. Follow the podcast on Instagram, Black Eagles Podcast, one word. And as always... Let's go Pesic Toss! Hold on to first place, baby! Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.